Welcome to the Career Matters Podcast. I am your host, Nassar Ahmad. I am the founder and editor of the blog, careermatters.com. And this is episode 45 of the Career Matters Podcast. Uh, this particular episode is part of uh, a day in the life of series. Uh, in each of these episodes, in this particular series, I have been conducting interviews with individuals from a particular profession or career. And uh, from for today's episode, I am speaking with someone whom I like to call Coach of Coaches, and his name is Mark Movini. Now, from what I've heard, coaching is a fulfilling career. As a coach, you are helping someone else accomplish their goals. Let's say you have identified yourself as someone who you think can help others and want to be a coach, but you do not know how to get started. Then this interview is for you. As I mentioned, his name is Mark Movini. Mark will be sharing his experience, how he got started in this profession, where he stands today, some of the benefits, some of the challenges of the career, uh, and uh, any advice for someone looking at this as a career. So, Mark, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Nasara, thanks for having me. First of all, did I get your name right? Uh, you, you, I wouldn't have blamed you if you messed it up because I called you Nissan uh, <laughs> when we were first talking, I guess, by text or by Skype. I said, hey, Nissan, and then I caught myself. So I wasn't trying to call you a car. Nassar, there, we're, we're good to go. But yeah, Mark Mawinney, anything you want to call me, Mark Smith, Mark Jones, whatever works. No, no problem. I always want to make sure I get my guest's name right. Uh, yes. And regarding the car, Nissan. I get it all the time. I actually prefer that because people remember it very quickly because nine out of 10 people I speak to have never heard of my name before. So, mm. that's, uh, so if, if anyone from Nissan is listening to this podcast, Nassar was willing to take on a sponsor, sponsored by Nissan. That will be an amazing, actually you've given me an amazing idea. I like this episode already. We haven't yeah, even got there started. You go. I'll, I'll send you a bill in the mail. <laughs> sure. So Mark, I have had guests from all over the world, and I like to always find out a little bit about the place they're calling from. So where are you calling from today? I live in Moncton, New Brunswick, Canada. It's on the east coast of Canada, so a little ways away from you in Toronto. But it's a beautiful city. There's, oh, I don't know, 145,000 people, including the outer areas. And it's known as the hub city because it, it connected really easily to everywhere in the Maritimes pretty much. So Moncton, New Brunswick, if anyone's looking to take a trip, come on down. We'd love to have you. Is there a fun fact or something that a lot of people do not know about Moncton unless they have been there? Oh, boy, is a fun fact about Moncton. Well, um, one thing that's cool, I guess, about uh, – well, my province in New Brunswick is Canada's only bilingual province – which a lot of people think that it would be Quebec, but Quebec's actually French is its main language. So New Brunswick is officially bilingual in an officially bilingual country. <laughs> and Moncton is um, a very bilingual city. So I think roughly two thirds are English and one third of the people here are French. But you hear English and French mixed all the time. You've got franglais uh, that it's called. It's kind of a mix of both. And I think that's pretty cool. You know, we're really um, an interesting microcosm of Canada here. 
And that is so true. A lot of people do not know Monk, uh, New Brunswick is a bilingual city. It's the official, uh, everybody confuse it with Quebec. So that's actually yeah. a good fun fact, which I believe even a lot of the Canadians living here for a long time would not know. I'm sure a lot of people here in Moncton may not even know that, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, it's interesting. But it is a beautiful city, and I, it's a perfect-sized city. You know, um, uh, don't get me wrong. I love Toronto, and, and I would love to live there and watch the Blue Jays and live in – I just got back from San Diego. I love that beautiful city there. But uh, I do like the size city. You know, it's got – it's not too big, not too small, and it's great for a coach because my business is with just people all over. I do all my work virtually. So I don't have any local clients. Everything's done via Skype, and that's the way I like it. So it's great for the business that I'm in. That's actually a great segue because I, uh, if you can spend a little bit of time telling about yourself, what do you do today, and also your story. I'm curious to hear how you became a coach, actually a coach for coaches. Yeah, it, it wasn't some grand master plan where I – was you know out of diapers and crawling around and I said I want to <laughs> goo goo gaga I want to be a coach um it was really happened more by accident so my background's actually in real estate which I know you've talked with different real estate people on this show but I got started in real estate way back when I was 21 years old back in 2000 and I was in real estate for about a decade so throughout my 20s was all real estate all the time and I built up um, a large team and my own brokerage and had about 100 employees and, and different side companies that were related to the real estate business. And then everything came crashing down back in 2009, which happened to a lot of people in real estate just with what happened in the world economy and especially real estate markets. So I um, went through a period, I say a couple of years kind of in the wilderness, not sure what I was going to do. And coaching came more by accident. I was actually helped by several coaches. And I was in a group coaching program as well. And I thought, wow, this coaching thing's great. You know, if I had the help of a coach back in the real estate days, maybe everything wouldn't have imploded, you know, and cra come crashing to the ground. And that's how I started coaching back at the beginning of 2014. It was uh, the beginning of the year back then. Where I started helping other coaches, make a long story short, was for a while I was coaching just any entrepreneur. So it could be people in bricks and mortar businesses and all sorts of different industries. And then I happened to work with two different coaches as clients of mine, and those are the nothing against other clients, but those are the ones I really enjoyed. I loved helping coaches. I loved helping them with their marketing, the packaging, their programs, uh, content creation, all that other stuff. So I said, you know what? I'm going to stick to what I really, really enjoy doing. I'm going to help specifically coaches. So it could be a little confusing. I'm a business coach, but that's my niche is just helping other coaches with their businesses. Sounds very similar to a lot of the career paths I've listened to. It's all accidental where it, it, they find a fulfilling career and they stick with it. So that sounds very mm. similar. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you is since you know coaching more than anyone else I've come across, uh, wh what is your definition of a coach? Who exactly is a coach? Well, I should mention first I was coaching. I didn't realize it. I was coaching for many years when I was in real estate with my team. You know, I was helping them uh, grow and and um, was helping guide them along. So I w didn't know that I was coaching them. But I think that's why it's gone well with coaching is that I'd been doing it for many years on that side of it. So when you ask the question, what's coaching? You ask 100 people, you're probably going to get 100 different answers. And there's a lot of different um, things get mixed up into it. So I see a lot between coaching, consulting, mentoring, 
and um, all those things get mixed in together, and, and then it gets into this big debate. So, I mean, in a nutshell, coaching is really, I believe, helping someone get from point A to point B, you know, and helping them with a the transformation. Uh, you're asking a lot of questions. You're not necessarily telling them, do this, do that. Uh, that would probably fall more into consulting, but you're pulling things out of them that they may not have been able to get out of them otherwise without your help. So a good coach is probably listening a lot more than they're actually speaking. But tell you the truth, I really mix all things into what I do. You know, some people have looked at mine and said, well, Mark, it's really more of a, a mix of coaching and consulting because you're doing this and you're doing that. And there's a lot of coaching snobs out there, I say. And my goal is just to help somebody get that transformation, get from point A to point B. I don't really care what it's called. You know, I just want to help them get those results. And I think that that's important to mention, too. A lot of coaches get too worked up with that definition of coaching, and then they're not perhaps helping people as much as they could be. So my next question would be, uh, what does the day-to-day look like for a coach, uh, I know it varies, but it'll be since you've talked to multiple individuals. Well, I lay around on the couch with uh, Cheetos watching Netflix. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, There's no two days that are the same. When it comes to coaching, especially online coaching, it gives you complete flexibility. Now, that being said, it doesn't mean that I'm at the beach all day and I'm working two hours a week. You know, like a lot of people are trying to sell that dream. Oh, work a couple hours a week and you'll make seven figures as a coach. I'm probably working maybe not quite as many hours of my as my real estate days, but I'm working a lot of hours because I love what I'm doing. So a typical day for me is um, I, I make an effort to get to the gym every weekday. I take the weekends off. So that way, if something pops up, I'm still getting to the gym at least four days a week if something comes in there. So I'm getting to the gym, but then I'm starting um, – Before I even get to the gym, I'm doing things like journaling, reading, stuff like that to get my day off to a good start. So I'm doing kind of me time in the morning. I've got my uh, early rising. I get my my me time in. Then I get to the gym. Then I start generally my calls around 11 o'clock in the morning, my time, and and go from there. And then I find my weekends are a little bit more personal development time and uh, books that I want to get to that I haven't had a chance to read as much or – content creation. You know, I do daily emails to my list. So I like to do a lot of writing and, and all that. But there's no two days that are the same. I mean, I can't think of any ones <laughs> that would be the same. They're all very different. Uh, so of all the things that you mentioned, uh, or in particular, is there anything that you enjoy more than others? Yeah, I really enjoy the content creation. And what I don't enjoy is that back end stuff. So when I say back end, I mean the uh, spreadsheets and the accounting and the invoicing <laughs> and all the nuts and bolts things. So I have a twin brother and uh, his name's Matt and he edits podcasts. So he actually edits my show, Natural Born Coaches, and he works with a lot of great clients and we're twins, but Matt actually enjoys more of that, that stuff. He's um, very detail oriented and he likes the spreadsheets and he, he's not out there as much as I am doing interviews like this and other things because he's busy uh, doing his business, his work and then, and doing that stuff. So I enjoy being out there. What we're doing right now is probably one of my favorite things that I do. I love podcasts. I love doing my podcast when I'm hosting the show, but I really love getting out to talk to other people as well. And that and content creation, probably the favorite things I'm doing. So you talked about things that are that you enjoy. 
Um, I want to switch gears a little bit uh, because I'm, I'm sure mm. every job, every career, there is something that uh, is, a, is a challenge. So mm. what, uh, when I say challenge, if someone getting into this uh, or even someone who's been doing this for a few years, what would you say are the top challenges? The challenge with coaching is like any business, you've got to get clients and customers coming through the door to get revenue in or you can't keep your doors open. <laughs> so that sounds like common sense, but a lot of people that when they start coaching, they think, oh, I'm going to be coaching 80% of the time and then 20% of the time I'll be doing invoicing and, you know, catch up of paperwork and a little bit of marketing, you know, for that time. And it's actually flipped the opposite. You're probably going to be spending 80% of your time trying to find coaching clients and doing marketing and getting out there. And you're doing 20% or even less of your time is spent actually coaching clients. And I think that that's something that people have to realize so the the challenging part for this business is that you really can't you can't take your foot off the gas and disappear for long. You know, like every day I'm out there, I'm making sure that I'm out in front of people and I'm giving value. I know it's a buzzword to say value, but giving value to my community of coaches and making sure that I show up. I really wouldn't want to take a couple months off because I would lose a lot of that momentum that I build up. And I don't mind. I don't find it, you know. I, I find it fun. I don't think of it as a problem. It, it is a challenge, though. You have to consistently go in there day in and day out. And, I mean, here's a perfect example. We're recording on a Saturday afternoon to get this done because you obviously love what you do, and I love what I do. And um, a lot of people don't treat it that way. They think, oh, I wouldn't want to do an interview on a Saturday afternoon, so I'm just not going to do it. And then they lose that opportunity. you got to treat it like a business. And I think too many coaches treat it more like a hobby than an actual business. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a mindset that they need to uh, check if, if they wanted to be successful. It is. And, you know, I was lucky with real estate for doing it, real estate for so many years actually was a perfect primer for coaching because when I got into coaching, I knew how to work. I knew how to hustle and grind and work my butt off. And a lot of people coming into coaching aren't used to going out and getting clients. So maybe they, they come from some sort of industry or position that they didn't have to sell in. So I see a lot of people coming from human resources, for example. I see a lot of teachers who become coaches, things like that. And they've never had to go out and sell anybody to become a client. Then all of a sudden they jump into coaching and it, they think that people are going to come rushing in once they get their website up and it doesn't work that way. I mean, you have to a lot of times be a shameless self-promoter and a lot of people don't want to do that. They don't want to look like Donald Trump, you know, or be, they don't want to look like a blowhard or do too much self-promotion. But when you don't do that promotion, then you're, you know, you're screwed. So you and I, um, I wouldn't be on this podcast now if you didn't see something I was doing out there or know who I was. And that's just because I'm not afraid to go out there and sell myself, which you have to do. That That is a uh, good point. And it, that, I think, applies for every career. Uh, people uh, spend too much time on skills development, but mm. uh, f ignore this important part of promotion. Yeah. And you have to do it. There is a knack or there's a way of doing it. So you do not really bore bore people mm. off. Yes. But, uh, that's, I think, it's, I, I completely agree with you. Yeah. Especially online. You know how noisy online is. So if you, um, people are getting hit with a million messages every minute. And if you, I, I made this mistake when I first started coaching, 
I was in that, um, I did a ton of promotion was in real estate. So back in the, the old days, I used to send out a ton of postcards, thousands and thousands every month. I used to spend a ton of money on radio ads and all that. So I understood that. However, when I first got into real estate, into coaching, uh, I wasn't as aggressive as I should have been, you know, so I got the website up and had the nice logo and all that fun stuff. But I realized pretty quickly that, hey, you you have to get out there and actually be more aggressive than I was in the real estate days because I was in a market with 300 and some real estate agents back when I sold real estate. Now I'm in competition with thousands and many thousands of people all over the world. So I have to promote much more than I thought I would have. But um, I got my head wrapped around it. And I think most people realize that once they're in it long enough that, hey, you can't sit back and expect people just to rush in to hire you. It's not going to happen that way. Now I want to go um, ask you some questions about the the career profession itself. Sure. Let's say someone listening to this, and or even someone already has in their mind the idea of becoming a coach. Uh, how does one go about becoming a coach, or starting a business in this uh, in this industry? Well, I mean, there's different ways to do it. You can. A question I'm often asked is if you have to get certified. You know, there's certification programs out there and there's some great ones and there's some not so great ones. You don't have to be certified, you know, when you become a coach. So really the way that I started was I just jumped in and did it. You know, my cert when people say, where's your certification or whatever, actually, I don't even get asked that because I, I think sometimes people worry too much about certifications. The, the coaches worry too much instead of just getting out there and helping people. So I didn't go through a certification with it. Now, that being said, every year I'm spending five figures on my own personal development between conferences and books and trainings and programs and all that stuff. But you don't have to be certified. So my recommendation first would be to um, get help, uh, hire me. So you can call, <laughs> call me at, um, get somebody that's done it before and that you're comfortable with to, um, guide you through that and get a quicker start to it. But I wouldn't recommend holding off too long with getting all these different certifications and stuff because you don't want to waste a year or a couple of years doing that. And then you're going to lose some momentum and, and so on. So definitely per grow and go and get into personal development, make sure that you're the best coach possible, but don't let that keep you away from taking action because I think action is extremely important. You got to get out there and make mistakes. You'll learn, you'll grow and you'll get going that way. That's a great point. Action always precedes anything else. Like if you're mm. taking the right action, uh, thanks for touching on the certification uh, or, or an education piece. But I was going to ask that. But what about someone who is in a niche market and they want to be a coach, let's say sports or fitness? What about those careers? Do they still uh, need some type of certification, like a industry specific certification? Well, you don't need it. I mean, it never hurts. I don't want to give the impression that you should should disqualify all certifications. And who knows, I could go in and do different things as time goes on. I'm just saying that I've seen too many coaches that have spent $5,000 or more, $10,000 getting certifications that don't help them get clients. Then they're, they're out there in the real world and they're thinking, oh, heck, how do I get clients with this? I found the certifications hold a little more weight in different parts of the world. So I've interviewed um, different coaches from Australia and um, Dubai, for example, where they tend to put a lot of stock on certifications there. And if you're doing more local type things on the ground there, it could you know, definitely serve you. But I would just be wary of 
where you're putting your money. I've always found that for me, if I'm investing the thousands of dollars that I do in personal development, I want to make sure I'm getting the most bang for my buck and that I'm choosing what I want to choose with it. So it's really a very personal decision. There's great coaches who are certified. There's uh, bad coaches who are certified and great coaches who aren't certified and, and so on. So it really, it, it, there's no clear cut answer. Yeah. Thanks for uh, clearing that. Um, I know that's, that that's a question that has come up, even though I'm not in the business, people have talked mm. to me about that. The next question would be, what does an ideal career path look like? Let's someone has started, they've started the, the coaching practice. Mm. Where can they go from there? The great thing about it is you can go in any number of directions. And that's also could be a bad thing because there's so many choices. You think, oh, where the heck am I going to go with this? So the way that I built my business is probably appealing to a lot of people. Uh, when I started three, four years ago, I was very much one-on-one and group coach and then group coaching. Yeah. So, uh, so when I started, I was doing a lot of that direct coaching and what I loved it. Don't get me wrong. But what was happening was I was starting to get a little burnt out because I was just doing so much direct coaching. And what's happened after that is I've introduced online programs which give me more leverage. So I'm not sitting directly in front of someone. It's more do it yourself. And then I have, um, besides online programs, I've got a print newsletter for coaches called secret coach club. Um, that's secretcoachclub.com if you want to check it out. And that allows me to help people without being directly in front of them. And, uh, you know, different things like that. That's not that direct one-on-one. And that's a path that I took because I, I could see an issue coming down the road where I would just hit a breaking point. I wouldn't have any more energy and I could only help a certain number of people. And I didn't want to be limited that way. So I want to make sure I could help as many people as possible. And that's why I introduced some other things that were more leveraged. The last question I have is, what advice will you give to someone who wants to get into this field? Uh, It sounds, um, again, sounds cliche, but just do it. (laughs) Jump in and and do it. So don't overthink it. I mean, the approach I've always taken for pretty much everything I've done in businesses has been ready, fire, aim, as opposed to ready, aim, fire. And I I prefer that approach. I don't want to overthink things and try to come up with a perfect business plan that takes a year and then it's thrown out the window a day later. You know, it's not applicable. I would rather get in there, learn what's going on. If you make your mistakes, you make your mistakes, but at least then I can adjust and pivot there. So that's the approach I would say is if you're interested in coaching, start following some some coaches, start pinpointing ones that you think, hey, this is what I would like to do. I like what Nassar is doing, you know, with the career side of it or whoever. And get, you know what, get on their mailing list, see how they're communicating with clients, uh, see what they're putting out there, invest maybe in a program, do some market research that way, but don't overdo it. You know, jump out there and just um, just do it. And I think there's too, way too many coaches, but this probably works. This goes across the board for humans in general that are perfectionist. <laughs> and perfectionism is not good. If you're a perfectionist, don't start a business. You'll drive yourself crazy. So you got to beat the perfectionism out of you and just get out there and try different things. Amazing advice, uh, Mark. I think that applies for everyone as well. I mean, uh, I mean, I know that it was meant for coaches, but as I'm listening to that, I've got some ideas for myself as, as well. So uh, my favorite was Ready, Fire, Ready, Aim. Fire. Yeah, there's an awesome book, actually. It's by Michael Masterson. 
and it's called Ready, Fire, Aim. <laughs> so I can't take credit for it. But that's what that book's exactly about, is not overthinking things and just getting out and taking action. So go pick up the book, Ready, Fire, Aim. I'm not an affiliate for the book. I won't get paid anything, but it's just, it's a great book that I read. And I think it ties in with what we were talking about very well. Perfect. I'll definitely add that book to my list as well. I'm always looking for great book recommendations. Hmm. So Mark, we have come to the end of the interview. Uh, lots of great ideas. And before we wrap up, is there anything else, any last words that you'd like to share with the audience? Well, I think this probably applies for careers in general here in 2017 is don't get tied into one thing and thinking you have to do it for the rest of your life. So my, I pigeonholed myself into thinking, hey, I'm a real estate guy and I'm going to be in real estate till I die. And then when everything changed, I was caught flat-footed because I thought, oh my gosh, I'm a real estate person. I, I, meant to, I was meant to be in real estate, which isn't the case. I'm actually having a heck of a lot more fun with my coaching business than I ever had in real estate. So don't get thinking that, hey, I'm a you know, I'm meant to be in accounting all my life or, you know, dentistry or whatever it could be, you know, um, stay flexible. In 2017, people could have five, 10 different careers by the end of it. Now, hopefully, I hope I'm coaching for the rest of my life. I love it. But just don't get too tied down into one thing, you know, stay nimble, stay flexible, do what you love and what you have fun with. Okay, that's actually an amazing conclusion. Uh, Mark, uh, thanks for being a guest. Uh, Thanks for joining us all the way from Moncton, on a Saturday, yeah, you shared some amazing ideas mm. here. Yeah, well, thanks for having me, Nassar, and thank you for what you do as well. You're welcome. Thanks, folks, for listening to this episode of the Career Medis Podcast. Uh, I have written a brief summary of the interview as part of a blog post on the site. If you enjoyed this episode and also learned something new, feel free to post a comment or a review. And if you really loved it, definitely go ahead and share this episode among your network. Until next time. This is uh, Nisar Ahmad, your host for the Career Medis Podcast. Thank you.